Good morning and welcome to the Tuesday, 17th of October, 2023 episode of the Greenwich Town for All Seasons show podcast, where we connect you to the history of the town of Greenwich, Connecticut. My name is Jeffrey Bingham Mead, and I'm your host. I'm a direct descendant of the 17th century founders of Greenwich, Connecticut, and it's my pleasure, as always, to welcome you. The Greenwich and Town for All Seasons show podcast is made possible by Alexander Affiliates, Eastern Neurologic Services, Mr. Kevin M.J. O'Connor of Jeffrey Matthews Wealth Management, and listeners like you everywhere. Coming up on today's show. It was 100 years ago this month when what was originally the Masonic Lodge building at 28 Hevemeyer Place was dedicated In 1894, Ezekiel Lemondale goes on a six-mile summer drive, sharing history along the way. A steamer car comes to town in 1911, along with an act of road rage, oh my. And Erwin Edwards describes the marvelous growth of Greenwich's wealth in 1920. We'll have all that and more as the show unfolds. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after these important messages. A landscape architecture firm with an optimistic view of the future, Alexander Affiliates is a professional landscape architectural firm specializing in designing and planning visually appealing, functional, and environmentally responsible outdoor spaces for residential and commercial developments. From backyard perennial garden preparation to regional coastal planning, we have you covered. In addition, we serve a global clientele that has brought in a lot of business for us through word-of-mouth referrals. Some of Alexander Affiliate's clients include construction companies, land and property developers, government offices, engineering companies, geographers, and soil samplers. Its mission is simple. Instead of focusing on saving the planet, let's concentrate on thriving together. In business since 1980, you can learn more about Alexander Affiliates by going online to alexanderaffiliates.com. To learn more and to contact Alexander Affiliates, you can call 203-869-8632. Again, that's 203-869-8632. Its mailing address is P.O. Box 711, Greenwich, Connecticut, 06836. My friends, don't gamble with your health. Eastern Neurological Services offers comprehensive neurologic diagnoses and therapeutic services. Its principal, Dr. Xiaoke Gao, MD, is a top New York neurologist who practices in dynamic treatment of neurological diseases, neurorehabilitation, and physical therapy. With convenient locations in New York City and a multilingual staff, Eastern Neurologic Services offers a wide array of treatments for neurological disorders. You'd be glad to know that Eastern Neurological Services provides 
general neurological consultations, on-site diagnostic testing, and physical and neurocognitive therapy. Visit easternneurologic.com, that's easternneurologic.com, or call 212-889-6540 or 212-227-6500. It's a fact of life that our health is important. Contact Eastern Neurologic today. You'll be glad you did. Well, thank you, Kevin M.J. O'Connor, Vice President of Jeffrey Matthews Wealth Management, knowledgeable in the complexities of the financial markets with a passion for servicing clients and their financial needs. My friends, learn more at jeffreymatthews.com or call Kevin M.J. O'Connor at his Greenwich office, telephone 203 485-7595. Again, that's Kevin M.J. O'Connor, his Greenwich office at 203-485-7595. You know, I remember growing up here in Greenwich, Connecticut, and one of the most pleasant things that we did when I was very young, and maybe you as well, is that we'd go for Sunday drives. You know, just go around in the car and drive and look around and what have you. And I have a story that I'd like to share with you. It was written by Ezekiel Lemondale, also known by his real name as Judge Frederick Augustus Hubbard. And it was published in the Greenwich Graphic on May 19, 19th, 1894. Um, and its title is Our Summer Drives. Lemondale describes a six-mile ride over a shady, rustic, and historic road and tells who lives along the way. It's a wonderful travelogue, and I think that you will enjoy it. But, you know, I bring to your attention, of course, is that at this time of the year, the leaves are starting to change color. And, you know, with all the rains that we've been having, um, I, I'm predicting that we're going to have really wonderful foliage uh, this year. So um, you might want to turn around and maybe use your imagination. And instead of thinking of this as a summer drive piece, um, think about it as a um, autumn one, at least, you know, for our purposes in uh, in year 2023. The Post Road, as the main road from Portchester to Stamford is called, is less attractive to me than other highways. The closer to the shore one keeps, the more comfortable he will find it. Such roads are more free from stones, better shaded, and less hilly than the Post Road. When Mr. Parker took me to Coscob, we followed Millbank Avenue from the Congregational Church, where we turned south and, leaving the Union Cemetery on the right, we drove down a hill along Frederick Meade's woods to the railroad. On the left hand, by the waterside, the Bruce Memorial Home, a retreat for the aged, is conspicuous. Its architecture is old colonial, and it seems exactly suited to the knoll upon it stands. It is the wish of his fellow townsmen, as well as the numerous objects of his bounty, that Mr. Bruce may live many years to enjoy the pleasure of making others happy. A few rods further south, we reached the former site of the old Davis Mill, of which nothing remains but reminiscences. Crossing the creek above the tidal gate, we leave Davis Landing and the held house in plain sight on the point below and plunge into the thick woods. The property on our left belongs to the estate of Isaac Howe Mead, and the land on the right is the property of Charles Mead. The owners of the Isaac Howe Mead farm 
two or three years ago, had an offer of $45,000 for the entire farm and declined it, much to the astonishment of many. But the fact that they have since sold less than half of it for that amount seems to justify their judgment of its value. The Charles Mead Farm is a beautiful shore property which has yielded hay and grain for successive generations of Meads who have been noted for their kindly dispositions and benevolent hearts. The ancestral home still stands, a mere wreck, in the rear of the new house, but its old Dutch doors and great brick oven tell of prosperous and happy days to those who lived there a century ago. In the keystone of the old arch, which still supports the roof of an ancient potato cellar, Mr. Park, Mr. Parker dug the moss from these words, Noah Mead, 1812. The marks of the chisel reveal the hand of a boy who, on some Saturday afternoon, like the schoolboys of his day, left his name and the date for future generations to read. This same boy lived to honored manhood and died at the age of 77. Turning north again through the woods, where the oaks are very old but very thrifty, and where the artists love to congregate, we shortly pass the old red brick farmhouse where Isaac Howe Mead lived and died. Coscob Harbor and the Broad Sound are in plain sight, and to the left one looks across the fields to the village of Greenwich, with its tall spire on the hill, and here and there a house peeping through the foliage. A few rods beyond, we cross the new iron bridge over the railroad tracks. It was at this point in the awful blizzard of March 12, 1888, that a passenger train lay for many hours buried in a great snowdrift. The massive square White House in plain sight to the right is the home of Lyman Mead, an ex-member of the legislature and the father of a numerous family. I have forgotten how many children and grandchildren rise up to call him blessed. A little further on, and again, we entered the post road at Coscob. Its identity is always certain from the numerous lines of telegraph wires that run direct from New York to Boston over this road. There is only one Coscob in the world, and that is our Coscob. The Gazetteer tells of numerous bayports, a bayport in almost every state, but no other Coscob. A few years ago, someone, perhaps more than one, conceived the idea of changing the name of Coscob to Bayport. An application was made to the Post Office Department at Washington, and the name of the office was actually changed to the very much worn-out name of Bayport. But, fortunately, the railroad company declined to change the name of the station. The school authorities clung to the old name for the district, and poor little Bayport is today only a small room in a small building where the residents of Coscob gather for their daily mail. There are two very old residences in the center of Coscob. The old mill and the unpainted store across the way are at Coscob Center. The mill is very old one of the oldest buildings in town, and the two old residences that look like ancient sisters stand on opposite sides of the street. The one at the right as you go south is a popular summer inn, the Holly Tree Inn, and I fancy that within its walls are many specimens of quaint furniture of generations past. The shining brass knocker upon the broad front door the diminutive window panes, the steep pitch of the rear roof, and the massive chimney all tell 
their story of the long ago. It is said that artists enjoy this inn, and Mr. Hobart B. Jacobs has told me that he knows of no better opportunity for pen or brush than amid the surroundings of Cascab. The old mill is a study in itself, and many a picture has been drawn of its open door, with its grist-laden miller within and the foaming water that has just ground the grist and will never turn the wheel again. An odd kind of a mill is a tide mill, for it will not serve you except at the ebb of the tide, and to take it at the ebb uh, the miller must oft times work at the midnight hour. I suppose the boarders across the street, when they hear the low rumbling of the mill wheel in the still summer night, fancy in their sweet drowsiness that they hear again the turmoil from the streets of their own New York. What a happy delusion it must be when they finally are awakened by the song of the robins or the click of the carpenter's hammer in the shipyard beyond. It's a great place to loiter in, Palmer and Duff's shipyard, where the ways are ways of pleasantness, and all the paths are peace. From there one looks down the harbor to the railroad bridge, across which the moving trains appear but half-supported upon the iron trestle. At the right is Cedar Cliff, once the home of Edwin Booth, and across the harbor, but further down, is the Riverside Yacht Club House, and George I. Tyson's summer residence, a large square house with a tower. Far down at the harbor's mouth is Old Indian, a high promontory covered with trees, through which now and then appear evidences of a beautiful house, the summer home of George Lowther. The shores are bold about Old Indian, and the rocks are covered with a prolific growth of seaweed. The tall trees grow in native luxuriance, and the turf beneath them, free from underbrush, is as soft and fine as money and patience can make them. Leaving Palmer and Duff's shipyards and turning north, we soon reach the post road again. The large, old-fashioned mansion near the enormous stump of the old oak is Mrs. Beecher's boarding school. This tree, only recently blown down, is said to be a relic of the primeval forest. When it stood in all its glory, its beauty and symmetry, it attracted universal admiration. We may retrace the way to the Lennox house by the same road, or we may follow the post road. There is but little difference in the distance, but the latter way is harder for the team. We are back at the hotel in 90 minutes, having traversed a full six miles and seen one of the prettiest of our summer drives. Signed, Ezekiel Lemondale. best-kept secret in historic Greenwich, Connecticut is a marvelous destination with an even more extraordinary mission. Voted best coffee shop in Greenwich by the readers of Greenwich Magazine and honored with the Community Impact Leader Award by the Connecticut Restaurant Association in 2022, Coffee for Good invites you to be a part of a magical story of a restored historic treasure, a destination that inclusively brings people together. Thanks to a unique nonprofit partnership between Abelis and 
and the Second Congregational Church. You'll be instantly drawn to the warmth and the historical ambiance when you enter the 1858 Italianate-styled Solomon Mead House at 48 Maple Avenue on the campus of the Second Congregational Church. Serving coffee, teas, an assortment of delectable goodies and more, Coffee for Good employs and trains people with special needs. Through a self-sustaining inclusive platform, trainees acquire the skills and confidence they need to thrive in the community. Open daily, Monday through Saturday, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. except Sundays, Coffee for Good offers you free Wi-Fi, free parking, indoor and outdoor seating year-round in a relaxed setting with a vibe all its own, a popular destination for informal business meetings, gatherings, and a fantastic study spot, too. Take it from me, my friends. The word about Coffee for Good has gotten around. After all, its success is driven by a never-ending commitment to excellence and inclusion. Coffee for Good is located at 48 Maple Avenue on the campus of the Second Congregational Church, all part of the Putnam Hill National Historic District on the National Register of Historic Places. Open daily, 8 a.m. through 6 p.m., except Sundays. You can learn more by going to coffeeforgood.org. Speaking of coffee for good, your next hire is just a coffee away. Well, how about that? Now, did you know that Coffee for Good is an on-the-job training platform with Ableist for people with special needs? Well, it's true. Its graduates emerge with the technical and professional skills to be employed in jobs in the hospitality, service, and retail sectors. Coffee for Good is located at 48 Maple Avenue in the historic Solomon Mead House, circa 1858, on the campus of the Second Congregation of Church in Greenwich. I encourage you to come to Coffee for Good and to see them in action. Contact employer at coffeeforgood.org and you can learn more about the learning program for those with special needs by going online to coffeeforgood.org forward slash employers. Well, in 1906, the Greenwich Police Department was founded, and we have a segment of the show that observes this, and it is called Crimes and Misdemeanors, about crimes that were committed throughout the history of Greenwich, Connecticut. The one I have today was from a story in 1911, November to be exact, Um, and this is a motoring incident that happened. The teamster whips motorist and motorist retaliates. Oh dear. Alexander Howell of the Howell Motor Company felt the wrath of a Riverside Teamster a few days ago when, as he passed the Teamster in his automobile, the fellow lashed or slashed rather the top of his hat with his whip, saying a few things besides. Hmm, I'll bet. Mr. Howell did not understand why he should be thus attacked and stopped his car, grabbed the driver of the team, pulled him from the wagon, gave him a few uppercuts, quote unquote, and then told him that. He was under arrest. He started to bring the fellow to Greenwich when the Teamster's friends interceded for him, and an exclamation followed, in which it was stated that the Teamster had been crowded off the road on two occasions by John H. Tyson's cars at Riverside, and that he mistook Mr. Howell's car for Mr. Tyson's. The explanation was satisfactory, and Mr. Howell released his prisoner, believing that the law had been vindicated. Well, in late October, early November of 1911, an unusual car paid a visit to uh, to Greenwich, and uh, it is a car that 
according to the headline on this story that I found, it is it has a steam engine that produces power and also roasts peanuts. You don't get that in too many cars uh, in this day and age, but <laughs> there was at least one that did this. A most unusual appearing automobile passed through the post road last Saturday on its way from Nyack, New York to Stratford, says the uh, article that was published in the, the November 3rd, 1911 edition of the uh, of the Greenwich News. And uh, the car was paid for in part by the Greenwich Council of the Order of United Mechanics, who contributed towards its manufacture some three years ago when Mr. Dean spent a few days in Greenwich getting subscriptions for it so that he might hereafter be able to make himself a living for himself, I should say. Mr. Dean is a member of the American Mechanics, also the Junior Order of Mechanics. In 1866, while employed as a railroad brakeman, he met with an accident which caused him to lose both legs above the knee. By the assistance of the American Mechanics throughout the state, he has been able to secure the automobile and its equipments, which cost about $12,700. The car is equipped with an off-felt steam engine which occupies one-third of the space of the car. The car is in size ten and a half feet in length and six feet in width. The engine, besides running the car, runs a popcorn popper and a peanut roaster. Well, that's very handy. The car is equipped with solid tires. In speaking to a news representative about the car, Mr. Dean said that it was contracted for to be finished in the spring of 1909 and therefore have been claims on the part of the builder for extra work, which he contested, and that the builder finally gave up the claim and he is now taking the car to Stratford to have it entirely rebuilt. Mr. Dean will make his home in the car following the summer resorts and the county fairs in the north and going south with a little bit of winter on the way. In a class by itself, the Greenwich Historical Society's museum store in Artists Cafe is the discerning shopper's destination for unique gifts and accessories. Located in the Toby's Tavern building at 47 Strickland Road in Coscob, the museum store reflects the richness of Greenwich, Connecticut's renowned history. Browse the latest arrivals in the store and online. Enjoy online shopping and pickup. Ample free parking member discounts, and complimentary gift wrapping. Open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., and weekends, noon to 4 p.m. Located at 47 Strickland Road in Coscob, enjoy complimentary coffee and tea in the warm ambiance of the Artist's Cafe. Learn more at GreenwichHistory.org. You're listening to the Greenwich Town for All Season Show podcast, hosted by Jeffrey Bingham Mead. That's me, a direct descendant of the 17th century founders of the town of Greenwich, Connecticut, the gateway to New England. The Greenwich Town for All Season Show podcast is made possible by Alexander Affiliates, Eastern Neurologic Services, Mr. Kevin M. J. O'Connor of Jeffrey Matthews Wealth Management, and listeners like you everywhere. Thank you.
28 Hefemeyer Place in downtown Greenwich is an exquisite historic property. It is located across from the uh, Town Hall Annex, which, by the way, was the town's original high school. Um, and it's diagonally across the street from uh, the uh, Central Firehouse. On, um, and it's located between Mason Street and, uh, and Millbank Avenue on a triangular uh, piece of land. A lot of people don't know it, but actually it was this month, 100 years ago, in fact, it was this month and this year, 100 years ago, um, that it was dedicated after being built as a Masonic temple. I don't think if many of you know that, but well, now you do. So um, I do have a piece that was uh, featured in the Greenwich News and Graphic on October 19, 1923. Um, and um, uh, it is about the dedication of that building, again, as a Masonic temple. I believe today it is the offices of a number of um, wealth management uh, companies and services, so uh, uh, a bit of history there that is uh, still ongoing. The, the, the building is just absolutely exquisite um, and in very, very fine uh, shape. Masonic temple is dedicated. The Grand Master Brown and Grand Officers conduct impressive ceremonies. The ceremonies for the dedication of the new Masonic Temple of Acacia Lodge Number no. 85, AF and AM, held in the Lodge Hall last Saturday afternoon at 3 o'clock, was most impressive throughout and a memorable uh, occasion for the history of the local lodge, which will never be forgotten by the 300 Masons who were present. The temple was dedicated with appropriate ceremonies carried out by Worshipful Master Arthur W. Brown of Jewett City, assisted by the officers of the Grand Lodge. One of the features was the singing of a double male quartet from Choirloft under the direction of Dr. Carl E. Martin, which added much to the ritualistic service. The singers were Walter Wasson, W. S. M. Fisk, first tenors, Harold Wellstood, Floyd E. Barbour, second tenors, A.I. Hardy, George E. Brush, first bass, Reginald Reynolds, Andrew Mitchell, second bass, and let's see, the selections accompanied with the words fitting the occasion were Integer Vit Day, Dedication Hymn Doxology, Jubilant Chant, and Evening Prayer. Albert S. Mead, organist, recited at the organ and played selections at the opening and the close of the ceremonies, the new pipe organ being heard for the first time to great advantage. Following the ceremonies, Dr. Albert E. Austin, worshipful master of Acacia Lodge, entertained the Grand Master and officers of the Grand Lodge at the Pickwick Arms for dinner. It was especially conceded by the Masons who attended the dedication ceremony that the temple is one of the finest and best equipped throughout the state. It is of old colonial architecture and is located on one of the most ideal sites in the community. Acacia Lodge was instituted in 1857, and it now has a membership of 500, including many of the oldest and most prominent men of the township, as well as those of a younger generation. The temple was made possible largely through the efforts of Dr. Albert E. Austin, who for several years past has been endeavoring to have such an edifice built here, and now his fond hopes and ambitions have been realized. The temple is a credit 
not only to the lodge, but to the town of Greenwich as well. And indeed, that is true. Well, as we start to wind down today's show, I want to remind you that we are counting down to Halloween, and I'm going to uh, conclude today's show with a Halloween story. This one is set at Bruce Park in the year 1928, uh, and uh, the story goes as follows, if you will just bear with me for a moment. Oh, there it is. Okay. Fun at Halloween Park. Halloween party yesterday for girls attracted many. The Bruce Park Clubhouse was the scene last evening of a town-wide Halloween party which the Recreation Board held for the girls from the various playgrounds. Over 200 came to the town's recreation center from New Lebanon, Byram, Hamilton Avenue, Glenville, Cascab, North Miana, Sound Beach, Havemeyer, and Mason Schools. Transportation was provided in some of the communities by the parent-teacher associations, while in others individuals contributed their cars or trucks for the occasion. Many children living close by did not find it inconvenient to walk. From 4 to 7.30 o'clock, that would be in the evening, the old Bruce shelter hummed and roared to the excited whispers, shrieks, and shouts of the girls. On arriving, the girls checked their lunches with Mrs. David Switzer and Mrs. William Foley in the large old kitchen and then gave themselves over to the many kinds of entertainment, which had been provided for them until dark outdoor play was engaged in. A feature of this play was an exciting ball game between the Glenville and New Lebanon girls. Indoors, after supper had been eaten, the the children were divided into groups, with some around the piano for games and dances, others around the open fire, and another room where Miss Helen Hahn, children's librarian at the Greenwich Library, told Halloween stories. For the eighth time, in still another room, David S. Switzer, or Schweitzer, showed the moving pictures of the playgrounds which were taken this fall. Miss Walter H. Mills presided at the piano in the living room. Mrs. Schweitzer was assisted in providing the entertainment for all by Mrs. Charlotte Blake, Emily Pease, Inez in Goldsby, Francis Hunter, Louise Bowles, Ruse Cragen, and Helen Hahn, and by William Foley and Ralph Rosso. The halls, porches, and rooms of the clubhouse were decorated with cornstalks, pumpkins, and orange and black trimmings. The ghost walk down the long corridors, and the old witch, who gave fortunes, climaxed the evening. By 7.30, all the children were on their way home. This afternoon and evening, a similar party will be given at the clubhouse for the boys of the town, and as many, if not more, than attended yesterday, are expected at 4 o'clock. That came from the Greenwich News and Graphic, dated Tuesday, October 30th, 1928. 
Oh, one more thing before I close today's show. Exactly two weeks from today is October 31st, and that is Halloween. I wanted to let you know that you definitely need to listen to the Greenwich Town for All Seasons Show podcast. I have put together a Halloween-themed podcast episode that we are going to release that day or probably the night before. And uh, and I really urge you and invite you to tune in and to enjoy it and also to, um, uh, to send links Uh, to that show, to uh, all of your friends and family everywhere, not just here in Greenwich, but everywhere. Anybody who has Greenwich uh, ties and contacts, and even those that don't, uh, we think that you're going to find this very, very, very enjoyable. Well, thank you for listening to the Tuesday, 17th of October, 2023 episode of the Greenwich Town for All Season Show podcast. As always, I'm Jeffrey Bingham Mead, your host. The Greenwich Town for All Season Show podcast is made possible by Alexander Affiliates, Kevin M.G. O'Connor of Jeffrey Matthews Wealth Management, Eastern Neurologic Services of New York, and listeners like you everywhere. Contact me at Greenwich Town for all seasons at gmail.com. Learn more about Greenwich, Connecticut's history and listen to past shows by going to Greenwich at Town for all seasons.blogspot.com. I invite you to look for the show on Facebook, Instagram, and other social media platforms. Our next show is scheduled for next Tuesday, the 24th of October, 2023. See you next week. Bye bye now.
Thank you.